0: about the people that God talks about, the grace that God shows these people. And somehow, if we're lucky enough, somehow we discover our own stories along the way in these narratives, and we can walk along inside of them with the people that are there. And so just like I said last Sunday about the historical narrative of Palm Sunday, uh, I trust that you know the story. We talked about Palm Sunday. I said, I trust that you know this story, that some disciples went and got a, a, a donkey from the city, and they brought him in, and, and Jesus rode into town on, on this donkey, and people put branches and coats on the. and then we got into the nuts and bolts of it. And I said the same thing about Monday, Thursday. I said the same thing last night. I trust that you know that story, that Jesus and his disciples gathered, gathered together for the Passover meal. There's some cups, there's some bread, and there's some things going on, but let's get a deeper understanding of it. Let's turn that gem a couple of times and see how that light reflects back at us and see how we can put ourselves in that narrative. I'm going to say the same thing tonight. I trust that you know the narrative, the story of what happened on Good Friday, the beatings that Jesus took, putting, pu- getting put on the cross, the trial, stabbed in the side. we just read or just saying about all of those things that happened that night. I trust that you remember that last night, last Thursday night, right? Before today, last night, Judas left the party unexpectedly. Nobody had an explanation of why he left. They finished the meal. They finished everything. They sang a couple of hymns. They went to the Mount of Olives. And then Judas shows up. Judas, Judas shows up with a small army, right? small army of of Roman soldiers and and temple guards. They'd come to arrest Jesus. Peter, the impulsive one, takes a sword and takes a swing at one of the guards' heads, misses, and he cuts his ear off. I I can't imagine the reaction when Jesus heals that person, when his ear is fine again. We read these stories, these historical accounts, these eyewitness accounts But unless unless we turn the gem around in our hands and let that light reflect back to us in 70 different ways, we're going to miss it. We're not even going to scratch the surface, let alone get below the surface. And until we let these stories read us and reveal to us who we are, we don't find ourselves then. We won't find ourselves in these stories. We won't find our own stories written in these pages, but they're there for us, to put ourselves in those narratives, to walk those people in the same paths those people walked in, to feel that same sun, to breathe that same dust. And we need to keep reading. We need to keep turning that gem. We need to, to do, and then let God's light shine on us, become part of us. And then again, we become part of that story. That story becomes part of us. So on Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, We see Jesus in the garden, right? We see Peter. We see Judas, right? Back up a couple of steps from where we're standing in time right now. The scene still Thursday night, late Thursday night, early Friday morning, maybe. Like I said, Judas had disappeared earlier, and now everybody knows why. He shows up with all these people. Everybody is starting to understand why now. And they're shook, And when we just read that part of it, if we don't get below the surface a little bit, if we don't walk in those steps, if we don't put ourselves in the narrative, that's where we stop with our understanding. Judas appears with all these people, right? And so now we can point our fingers at Judas and we can blame him for everything that's about to happen to Jesus. We can point our finger at Judas and we can blame him for everything that's about to happen to Jesus. And it's easy enough to do. After all, if we can just find a scapegoat, right? Then we're free of all responsibility of everything else that happens, everything else that goes on, the scapegoat, right? The scapegoat, you're familiar with this, right? On the Day of Atonement, right? They bring a couple goats to the high priest and a ram. They would sacrifice the ram and then they would sacrifice one of the goats. Only one of the goats would be sacrificed and they'd, they'd cast lots to see which one was going to be sacrificed. When they figured that out, they would do that. The, the high priest would, would sacrifice that goat and atone for the sins of the people. Then after a cleansing that he would go through, um, the other goat was brought to the high priest. Right? And he would lay his hands on the scapegoat. He would lay his hands on the goat's head. Right? And he, was, he would confess the sins and the wickedness, the rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins, and put them on the goat's head. And then, as Leviticus says, he shall send the goat away. Right? Someone was appointed to that task to walk that goat out into the wilderness and to let it go, set it free out into the wilderness. Symbolically, then the scapegoat took the sins of the Israelites and removed them. For Christians, that's a kind of a foreshadowing of what Christ did for us. The scapegoat, though. Judas is kind of our scapegoat sort of for us. After all, Jesus said it himself. Luke twenty two, twenty-one. It's the last thing that I read to you last night, right? Behold, the hand of the one betraying me is with mine on the table. The hand of the one betraying me is with me, is with mine on the table. Has he turned the gem with this verse a little bit, some questions come to my mind. Like, I can't help but wonder how many hands might have been on the table at that moment. Let's get back to that in a second. What I really want to wonder about and think about, though, is that word betraying or betrayal. And I can't help but wonder about the betrayal that that sent Jesus to the cross. The betrayal that sent Jesus to the cross. Judas brought a small army to the Mount of Olives that night. There's no getting around that. Judas brought that army to the Mount of Olives. There's no getting around that. But that's not what brought Jesus to the cross. That's not what sent Jesus to the cross. That army had nothing to do with the narrative really. Because Jesus even said, you know, don't you think I could call down 12 legions of angels and get out of this whole thing, right? I don't care how big your army is, you can't take him on, by himself even. So that's not what sent him to the cross, not exactly anyway. It was, though, to be sure, it was betrayal that sent Jesus to the cross. It was betrayal that sent Jesus to the cross. The Greek word that we see back there in was it, verse 21. Um the Greek word peraditomy means betrayal. It's used in the New Testament. I'm going to ballpark and say 120 times, give or take a few. And it's primarily this word betrayal is primal, prim, primarily used in two separate kind of places and, and uses. Um, it's used in the gospel to the gospels to and the New Testament to talk about Jesus um, being turned over, being betrayed, being turned over to the authorities, being brought over to the authorities, handed over to the authorities. That's where we see um, paradidomy, that's where we see it used the most when it's talking about Jesus. But then, as we we turn the gem on, on that simple word, we see different light hitting it, hitting this word, and we start... If we look hard enough, we start seeing our own reflection in that gem. We start seeing our own reflection in this verse. We start seeing our own reflection in this narrative and in this story and this whole thing that's going on here. We start to realize that we're actually actually reading our own story. And where we see names like Peter and James and, and Thomas, you should start seeing your own name in there. As we read the story, and like I said earlier, if you let the story read you, you'll see, you'll see other disciples asking Jesus if, if they're the one that's going to betray him. He says, one of, you is going to be, one of you is going to betray me. And they all start asking, is it me, Lord? Is it me, Lord? Is it me, Lord? And you know what's painfully absent from that narrative? Just hold that thought for a second. I want to go a different direction for a second. There's a song, um, a worship song called How Deep the Father's Love for Us. I thought about pulling Holly in and singing that one tonight how deep the Father's love for us. It talks about the love that God has for us, like John three sixteen. God so loved the world, gave his only Son for our sins. In one of the lines, one of the lines talks about Jesus being on the cross. And that's what we come here tonight to talk about nights like this about Jesus on the cross in one of the verses in How Deep the Father's Love for Us says it was my sin it was my sin that held him there and you still might be trying to find a way out of that responsibility you might still be trying to find a way out of that responsibility because you know it's just, it's just a song right wasn't it Judas that betrayed him Right? It was Judas that sent him to the cross, Right, that delivered Jesus over to the authorities. And that song, that's just a song. Those are just lyrics that some dude wrote sometime. We don't even know who or where. It was my sin that sent him there. What if I told you that God actually wrote those lyrics? And he stuck them in a book called Romans, chapter 4, verse Twenty five. He was handed over to die. We got to own this. And when we come to moments like this, we have to come to those realizations that. That betrayal that we're talking about, that betrayal is on you. It's not on some dude named Judas, yeah, he played his part, and it's on you. Romans 4.25 says it right there. Why was he handed over? We can't put that all on Judas like it's the scapegoat and then just send it off and pretend it never happened. We've got to own it. And then we got to look and turn the gem a couple of times. When we're incredibly offended by the gospel message that Jesus laid out here, right? Jesus criticized the cities, it says. That's offensive, right? Jesus came at them because he said, I need you to change who you are. I need you to be the people that I created you to be. I need you to be the people that I went to the cross for. And I need you to own the fact that I went to the cross, Jesus is saying, I went to the cross for you. That should put some guilt on us and it should put some relief on us. It should put some joy on us. It should put some peace on us. But we're supposed to feel it. And we're supposed to own it. And make it personal. Not on somebody else. That's why I say we've got to have ourselves. We've got to read ourselves in these narratives. If we don't put ourselves in the gospel message, we're not getting it. And that's not just a get-out-of-jail-free card either. It's responsibility. For somebody that did nothing and didn't deserve this. You know, back in the day, after Lamb Selection Sunday, right? Tenth day of Nissan, The families would all go out and they would get a lamb. Right? I don't know if you've ever been around a lamb, but they're pretty cute. They're fun to be around. They jump around. They're pretty frisky. right? And then you know what would happen to that lamb? They would keep it in their house for four days. Those of you who have little kids or have had little kids, think about the bond that would instantly take place with that lamb coming into the house. And now four days later, We're going to kill that lamb. You think we wouldn't feel anything about that? Shouldn't we feel like we're getting, you know, split down the middle and ripped apart when something like that happens? It gets personal really quick. For us sitting here in this sterile environment, as I always call it, man, take it or leave it, right? There's nothing to it. I come here, I sing a couple of hymns, we pray a little bit, pop back out the door, and is Jesus going to say, Woe to you? Or is he going to say, Well done, good and faithful child? Are we going to put our hands on Judas's head and say, Off you go? Or are we going to say, You know what? That whole betrayal thing that you're talking about, and that's in here and in here and in this gem here, that whole betrayal thing you can I can see my reflection in that and I can see myself in that and yeah Judas might have been the one that brought the army there but it was really Judas brought that army there for me so for there that Thursday night celebrating the passover feast with Jesus and we asked Jesus those words that the disciples all asked him he said will I be the one that will betray you his, his honest answer, his honest answer has to be yes. His honest answer is yes, you are the one that's going to be putting me there. Just like, you know, we sang, um, were you there? Right? Silly question, it sounds like. So no, we weren't there, but you know what? Your sins were. Your sins put him there. Your sins sent him there. Judas might have led that army to Jesus, but that army showed up because of your sin, because of my sin. And as we turn that gem, turn that gem gem of scripture in our hands and and we read these verses, and you might not understand exactly what I mean, but we let these verses read us, right? Analyze us from the inside. And when we put... Ourselves in the story, in in this narrative, we're faced with some questions, and and there's no getting around this. We're faced with questions. We're faced with the questions. Well, the, the disciples ask, "Will I be the one to betray you?" And Jesus' honest answer is, "Yes." We're faced with the question, "Were you there?" Maybe you weren't physically, fiz- but your sins were. And again, until we start understanding that, until we start owning that, and still, until we start living into that, we're missing the whole point. You know, we, we were talking earlier tonight about, about doing um, you know, kind of a, a, a live play here about the, about the crucifixion and the Last Supper and all those kinds of things. You know, if we're standing up here and we're, and we're pretending we're nailing something in, that's great. But if we don't understand why Jesus did this whole thing, again, nothing else matters. None of this matters until we start to understand that we are the ones responsible for that. And so when we start talking about betrayal, we've got to put our name in there. We've got to cross off where it says Judas, and we've got to start writing in a different name there because it's us. Like I said, Judas might have brought the army, but the army showed up because of you. And the army needed to show up because of you. And Jesus needed to do these things that he did because of you. These aren't isolated verses that I'm showing you. I'm going to show you one more, and then we're going to continue on. Um, I'm not sure exactly what else is going to happen. But look at First Peter Would you please stand with me? Let's pray. Lord God, again, I thank you for bringing us here. I thank you that the reality of your words and the reality of your writing sometimes punches us dead in the face. Thank you for who you are and thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for this Lenten season. Thank you for these last two nights that we get together and talk about the the magnitude of what you did for us and why you needed to do that for us. Sometimes this gets a little uncomfortable, Lord, but I think you want it that way. To help move us in the right direction, to to help move us closer to who you are to help move us closer to the people that you created us to be. So I thank you, Lord, for bringing us here. I thank you for what you've shown us tonight. I thank you for the way you've turned the gem in our hands and reflected different light. And like I said, actually, we see our reflection in it so that we can own it, so that we can understand it, so we can fess up to it. I thank you again, Lord, for all that you teach us Tonight, before we leave, we want to pray together the prayer that you...